Hello and welcome back to the Monday Media Podcast. I'm your host Gemma Kinzer and in this episode we'll be talking about various roles within the film industry. I am joined here today with Philip Ray Tobing. Hello. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you for having me. Could you please introduce yourself and tell us who you are, what you do and what filming projects you have been involved in because you have quite a few projects under your belt in various roles. Yeah, very. My name is Philip Ray Tommy, as you said before. I started off, well, I'm a filmmaker, more important, most important at the moment, a writer. I started off doing extra work because the journey tools being a stump performer is you need to get so many hours of extra work under your belt as well. So that's where I learned a lot. I learned so much behind the scenes, being on big productions and just really asking people around me and being inquisitive and finding out what they do, why they do it. So where did you start in the film industry? Was it stunt acting that got you into filmmaking or the other way around? But you did mention being an extra. Yeah, so in terms of being a stunt performer, I never qualified under the terms of equity. So to be a stunt performer in the UK, you have to qualify. You need to get six qualifications of a certain level. And then you give the evidence to equity and to JISC. Uh, and then they put you onto the uh, stunt register, basically stunt performers. So I never qualified in that, but I was lucky to be able to do stunts around the world, purely because of knowing people that needed a big black guy <laughs> to do certain things, you know. So yeah, I've been I've been fortunate. How do you mentally and physically prepare yourself for these roles? Like, are you ever worried about the impacts it could have on your life? And with the injuries, how do you come back from them? Do you ever feel like these injuries could affect? your future career you know i've never really been i've only had one small injury from a stunt the guys that you see flying through the air it's rare that they're going to be a big guys it's always like the lighter gymnastic types amazing spatial awareness that kind of thing as well you know we do we do take stair falls and you know whatever else and car nut downs i've never done car nut down before um, but i know a lot of guys who have a friend of mine guy list is a big muscly dude and he you know he's done some amazing stunts but I think it's like anything, you know, I think you, it's like if you, if you're a fighter, if you, you know, whatever sport you do, it's like, you just, you're there. So it's like, you know, case or us or I, you, you know, you're there and you're being paid to do a job. Also, I think if you trust in the um, stunt coordinators, the guys that are putting it all together, safety is key. Yeah, as long as you're with people that you know have your best interest at heart, then you can pretty much, you know, you're going to walk away from it. And yeah, I don't know, I think it's all mindset. I think filmmaking is mindset and so is stunt work you know it's literally just you're there everyone's watching <laughs> everyone's waiting for you to do this whatever you gotta do so it's like you know what let's just go for it is it definitely a lot of fun uh well you know i think it's like anything else in terms of like people see it as glamorous or this one it's, it's not it's it, you know it's it's work but it's work in a in a industry that you love and and i think you know when you do love filmmaking it's it's even more um satisfying you know you could be you could be, you could be sitting in an office or do something that you hate but you know it, it can be fun. The people are always amazing, which is great. You know, like any job, there are some days where you, you know, where you know, where you're thinking, "Oh my God, I want it to be over." But um, then it's important to always think about where you want it to be before that, and then you're like, "Oh, you know what? I should actually appreciate what I'm doing, or you know, where I'm at at this time." Remember why you started. Remember why you started, definitely. Yeah, and you know, there's a million people out there that would kill just to be just to walk on a film set. What's the biggest or best or even most memorable stunt you've had to perform? The one that, that always sticks in my mind, I was on, was a guy called Tony Luckin, he's a really good stunt coordinator, great actor as well actually, and uh, it was on a, on a show called, what was it called, Beowulf, I was tied, my hands were tied, 
and I was tied to another stunt guy called Chris Pollard, whose hands were also tied, and we were being led by these gang of thugs. And we had to escape, so we had to jump down this hill. I was doubling a guy called David Harewood, and so he had to do the actual start of the, of the fall, and then we'll take over and do the rest of it. And David did like a forward roll into some mats, and I was like, fuck, so now I've got to do this four wall going down this hill and there's like trees and rocks and all this stuff everywhere. And I'm tied to this guy. <laughs> and we, uh, so we, we just thought, you know, let's go for it. So we did it, going down, my wig fell off, banged my elbow up. But you know, it was such a buzz. Do you ever have people coming up to you being like, how crazy are you? No, I think most of my friends are like, are like film people. So they kind of like get it. Everyone's got their own level of adrenaline pumping you know, situations like it could be, it could be uh, in a room in front of like, you know, a hundred people talking, or it could be teaching a class, doing a podcast. It could be anything, you know, everyone's got their own things that build their own anxiety. I think it's just, it's just um, working out how to manage them. What got you so passionate about acting? Well, the stunt work, um, I was married years ago. I was married at 26. So my stepdaughter, Sophie, hello, Sophie. She was called by a guy called Paul Jennings, who's like a massive stunt coordinator, and uh, a guy called Vic Armstrong, who's one of the best stunt guys in the industry. He did Superman and Indiana Jones, that sort of stuff. So they got her onto a film called The Golden Compass, and she doubled the main character, Lyra. And I was just around amazing, and I mean amazing people, right? All these stunt guys just blew my mind. A guy called Nick McKinless, who's just this, like, monster of a man just you know just and, and so agile you know the guy's built like a brick shit house right but he can do flips and uh, chin-ups and claps and all this sort of stuff he's just an amazing guy and all these different people in different you know amazing horse riders amazing gymnast and just and just seeing just being around like it was like being at a group with the avengers <laughs> just badasses everywhere right well speaking of avengers you've also done work on the four film yeah, that was that was very, 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 very small. I was just standing in for a guy called Addy. Uh, he was playing a guy called Curse. But it was amazing, actually, because side story, first day I was on set, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston came walking on in costume. And Chris Hemsworth knocked over a bin. And uh, this little guy came running out and he was putting all the rubbish up. And Chris was like, no, mate, I'll pick it up. I did it. And I was like, wow, look at that there. You know, a superstar behaving completely normally, you know, yeah. and, uh, and it was so, and it shouldn't be surprising, you know, if you're like a Bonobo, you pick it up, but it was just so refreshing to see somebody like him, you know, who could be an arsehole and be like, oh, I'm not going to pick it up, you know, and just doing it, it was amazing. But yeah, being on that, there's a guy called, the guy doing the stunts for Curse was a guy called Mo, Mo Lee, he's amazing, Steve Dent, who's like another legend in the stunt industry, he was the main coordinator, and I got to speak to Rene Russo, who was amazing. Again, seeing her on set, you know, she was so humble and funny and just not like, not, not, not precocious at all. Just really, just really, just a really nice person to be around. And that was the first time I looked, I was like, hmm, okay, this actor seemed quite cool. But the one thing that pushed me into acting massively was I was doing um, extra work on Edge of Tomorrow. Another big name production. It was big, but there was like, there were like, lo there was like hundreds of extras on there. There were like loads of us. Like Tom Cruise. I've never been starstruck before. When I saw him, I was like, fuck. And it, it's funny because it was me and my mate Damien. We got called to do some something with him. I gave some like lines after after our first day. And uh, we came we came into the room and Tom came and he's like, Hey guys, I'm Tom. I'm like, I fucking know you. I know who you are. I know who you are, you know. He's uh, but he was just he was just like, Wow. It, 
as Tom Cruise. Maverick, you know, all these, you know, growing up loving films and seeing this guy that is like, I mean, as far as movie stars go, who's been more prolific? They are so, I mean, you know, he's been doing it for decades. Proper fangirl moment. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> but um, he got like a truck, like a van to come on set with like coffees and cakes for all the, for all the extras. And it's like, you know, everyone is important on a film set. But it's always nice to be appreciated, isn't it, you know? What I love about you is the fact that you have experience, not just on camera, you have skills and experience off camera as well. So you have knowledge of all areas of the process of filmmaking and that's a very crucial thing to have as I personally believe that it benefits the production more. So, for example, if you're working on a set and the manager has only hired people who have specific skill sets but then a situation comes up and the manager asks, I need someone to work on a camera or I need someone to work in audio, you want to be that person in the room that's putting your hand up and going, I can do that. And I just feel like it looks better on you if you're the person in the room who has experience in everything rather than just one specific skill set. Not saying that having one specific skill set is a bad thing. I personally believe that if you're the person in the room that's constantly putting your hand up and be like, yeah, I've got experience in this or yeah, I've got experience in that, then it just looks better on you. Like I went to an interview the other day and the person said to me, they were like, oh, so what would you class yourself like in the media industry? Would you class yourself as producer, director, videographer? And I'm like, well, I'd class myself as all of those things because I can do all of those things. And then they're like, yeah, but which one do you do the (laughs) most or which one would you say you're the best at? And, you know, not to say I'm perfect at everything because no one is. Like we all have our strengths and weaknesses within the industry, but I don't want to just be labelled as a producer because then... I don't want people to think, oh, well, she's just a producer. Yeah. It means she can't work a camera. And it's like, no, it's like I can do like all things. I mean, it's like with um, podcasting, you know, I'd never done it before in my life before doing it. And I don't class myself as an expert in audio at all. Yeah, so going forwards with that, I just don't, I think it look, looks better on you if you have experience in multiple different things yeah. rather than just one thing. What's your thoughts? I agree. I mean, um, Jared Leto, you know, 30 Seconds to Mars, right? Yeah. Um, he was always told that he had to choose. And he's like, I don't want to, I haven't got to choose. I haven't got to choose. And that's the thing, it's like that, you know, we can we can put ourselves in these boxes or we can choose not to. But it is also finding the balance, I think, in terms of like, the industry can be unforgiving about, uh, there's, you know, any industry, I guess, no matter where you're working. Life can be unforgiving around the wrong people. So if people are aware of what you can do, that's cool. But they also need to know that they can't take the piss or that they can't use those skills or dilute those skills as a means of cost cutting. Again, especially on like low budget stuff, you have to cut, you know, cut costs where you can. But that can't come at the expense of somebody. You know, apart from as long as it, if it's me and it's my and it's my project, then fair enough that I'll put you know if I got to do extra, then so be it because it's my thing. I just hate the fact of, I hate the thought of people being used because they have multiple skills. It's so I mean filmmaking, you know, it's so it's such a big thing, you know. Preach. It's massive, you know. It's like crawling through glass naked on fire with somebody kicking you in the head. Very intense. <laughs> can be. It's amazing at the same time. But, you know, it, it's, it, it can be really tough. So it's like, you know, it's just um, that comes down to good planning and getting people, getting the right people around 
team is everything, man. You know, so it's like, you know, I know um, on my on my latest one, Vajra, you know, I've got people when we're on set that can do camera operating, audio, what everything, but I want to have as many people there as possible, split the tasks as widely as possible, and have people set people to do certain things. Then everyone's job becomes a lot more enjoyable, and they and their outputs better. You know, when you're when you're stressed and you and you're pulled very thinly, sometimes you got sometimes you have to do it. But as you know, if you if you if it hasn't got to be there, if it hasn't got to be that way, then yeah, then it shouldn't be. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, the best product will come out if everyone is relaxed and happy and getting on with the job and given the space to move, and you know, it just makes things run more smoothly. You have worked on the production Cain and Abel and. Am I right to say you're the writer, producer, yeah, director? Yeah, yeah, them, yeah. How do you switch and balance between these roles? So Cain and Abel, I was living in London and my son's mum became pregnant, who's my son. So I moved back to Birmingham. I was injured as well. I had surgery on my arm, I tore my bicep. So uh, my stunt training stopped. I was like, I need to still do something in the film industry. And then I started to write my first screenplay on my uh, on my iPhone, and so I wrote it. I thought, okay, it's cool. It came out well. So I was like, okay, so now what? Make a short version of it. So I've got no money. Don't know how to make a film, <laughs> but I know I'm gonna make one. I don't care. When there's no choice, you either stop or you just do shit. I think in terms of like you know filmmaking, there's there's so many there's so many more um, things out there that are so much harder than filmmaking. Filmmaking, that's not taken away from filmmaking because it is hard. But I think it's just putting things into perspective. If I want think if I want this film to happen, there's no choice. I have to do it myself. Because no one knows me in industry. No one should give me anything. That you know, there's no reason for anyone to give me anything. But at the same time, I want something. And I know that what I have has merits in it so I'm like yeah okay I'll just do it so on set it's cool again it's teamwork as, as long as everyone knows the story and as long as like everyone like you know really knows the story and knows my intent for the story then it'll work you know it's so cool hearing you talk about Kate and Abel because you can just tell that you're so passionate about it yeah. and another project what you've been passionate about is Vajra Vajra yeah, yeah that's it I, I feel like I'm pronouncing it wrong yeah. What's the writing, directing, and because you're currently in post-production at the moment yeah, for it, what's yeah. it all been like for you? So, so Vajra and Kane Abel are linked. So there's Vajra, so Kane Abel came first, then there's a film called Creep, which stars Alina Mishki and Oliver Mayo. And Creep is another film of yours, isn't that, it? That was my second one. So, so Creep was, so they're all in the same world, basically. They're all in the Kane and Abel world. And it's like, so they're all, they're all linked. So Gary first came on board for Creep and just blew me away. And we have such a great connection. I think it's so important to have that with your DOP because he gets what I want. But he can he can get what's in my head out. If I was to use Gary's camera, it would look like a piece of shit. You know, but he you know, he's he's amazing. He's amazing. Um so it really works. You know, he's a great he's a great person, but you know, he's also a great partner to have in terms of in filmmaking. That's the benefits of working with someone who you can just bounce off. You don't even have to explain it fully, they'll just yeah, get yeah. it. Everybody that's the thing I think in terms of your team when it comes to filmmaking, you can't have anybody around anybody when you're in charge anyway that is a negative or a draining force around you because it's it's hard enough as it is. You don't need you don't get time for that sort of stuff. Yeah, you, you don't know? you don't need nah, that nah, rubbish. Nah. No arsehole zone is what we always say. 
and it's, it's important. And um, I'm so going to use that. Uh, seriously. It's, I'm going to get so a top true. that says that and wear it to work. <laughs> I know, so like, it's, it's so important. And on Crete, again, Crete was amazing, right? We had like, we had a few mishaps in the day, and um, but these guys just nailed the atmosphere at the park. So when it came to writing the new one, originally I wrote it as a companion piece to Creep, but then it kind of took its own sort of like, you know, its own life as films do. You know, I think when you write the characters, they do, they, you know, you are bringing them into existence. So you're almost like a passenger and you, you know, you just sort of like, they tell you where to take it and you, you make what needs to be made. In Vajro, we've got actors back from Creep, you know, in this one, some actors back from Kate and Abel. It's like a nice rounding up of things. So yeah, so as far as as far as the writing process goes and you know, it's it's just the same process for me. It's like, you know, I need to get to a certain place. And I know that but I know if I speak loud enough through my work, then now I have no choice but to listen to me. I was on a film with uh so Michael Flatley, um River Dance guy, right? He cast me in a film. Oh, oh no, sorry. I'm thinking of Stavros Flatley from oh, no. Talent. <laughs> well, Stavros copied him. <laughs> no, no, Stavros is, was like a was like a character, was like a cartoon version of what Michael did. So Michael Flatley was like, you know, it is still. I think he's got so many. He's like beating Michael Jackson and certain records. He's massive, you know, and he brought Irish dance into the mainstream. And it was just, it was, and it still is. It still sells out shows like well in around the world. But he he did a film called Blackbird and he cast me in it. And he cast me in it because the producers saw saw Kane Abel. So again, you know, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have made Kane Abel. And then he said on on uh, Facebook or something somewhere, he said, you know, always follow the steps that led to your biggest win. Just do it bigger and then you'll get a bigger opportunity. And, and that's the thing, it's like, you know, once the once you find the blueprint that works, keep copying it, but just always raise the game, improve the quality, improve the production, improve whatever it is, so people that have money or have opportunity can can see your progress and know that you're a good bet to have. I love that attitude. I'm so going to take that forwards going on with projects now, whether they're big or small, yeah. whether they make it or not. And I absolutely love how all of the films you've made, they all connect to all like, in the yeah. same world. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a massive world. The whole kind because of, for me, like, you know, around the world, every different culture, right, if it's wherever you go, if you go to Ireland, if you go to... Haiti, if you go to Spain, everyone's got their own supernatural culture. It may be hidden in some parts, but it's always there. So the world of Cain Abel incorporates all that sort of stuff. I don't know if this makes any connection whatsoever, but it's like with um, Disney at the moment, and they're making a lot of live-action films yeah. from the originals, and there's some way you're like, okay, that needs it. It's like, mm. that's cool. And it's like with the Jungle Book film, what they did a few years back, they played on the lore of the jungle and they talked about Mowgli's upbringing with the wolves and you never saw that in the cartoon version and they brought in a lot of stuff which the adult fans would understand more and that was such a unique perspective and with Beauty and the Beast with the live action with Emma Watson in as much as it did stay true to the original they also played on Belle's character's upbringing with her mom and what actually happened to the mom because obviously when you're younger you don't know about no, no, that and it's so cool and everything but then you know you've got stuff like they're redoing Lady in the Tramp they're doing I think they're doing Little Mermaid they did Aladdin and it's like are you doing it because you've got another unique twist what you can add to it or are you just doing it for money I think I think it's both of it I mean you know because that's the thing about you know the, the actual business side of it they have to make money and they make billions 
You know, I think the main, I think the most important thing there is the people behind it. So I got a friend who worked on um, on Aladdin. <gasps> a guy called um, Simon Hayes. He did the sound. He's he's like one of the best sound guys, Oscar-winning sound. Yeah, but you know, he's but he's amazing what he does. And then and then Adam Basil did some of the stunts in it. And but I know the way that I saw Simon speak about his work, and the way I know that Guy Ritchie speaks about his work, you can tell that they. It's, it's more than just work, you know. So regardless of, I mean, the film, you know, we have they have to make money. Of course they do, because that's just, that's what matters in business. But I do think the people behind it bring what is needed to it. That sort of, like, that spirit of, like, you know, let's make something for our kids. I was on, I was on, I was on King Arthur with um, Guy Ritchie. And there's a big fight scene in this, like, Roman, like, bath-type place. And his kids came on set. There's one kid sitting on one side, one on the other, and he's like, three, two, one, and then little girls go, action. I was like, wow, how fucking amazing is that? It's amazing, you know, this little kid is has come from normal life, and she's been transported back to ancient Rome, or, you know, whenever it's supposed to have been, you know, back, you know, back all these years, and now she's in this massive space, and she's seeing her dad be really passionate about what he wants to bring this film to life. The right people behind the camera it will it will make money we got you know anyway and I think I think it is nice that they are revisiting things because then people can go back to the older ones and it kind of gives it a bit of a you know fresh Definitely. a fresh interest you know so the uh, question is you have been involved in multiple big name film productions so to name a few you've been in Kingsman the Secret Service you've been in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation you've even been in Rogue One which is Star Wars which oh amazing it's so cool i'm like fangirling now how do you find the contacts to work on these big name productions and what was it like working under these big names do you feel any pressure to obviously do a good job and obviously to not mess up on these big film productions you know, well you know when i was before when i when i said about it being smaller than it seems this is what i mean so we've like Star Wars and that sort of stuff. It was like that was through the casting collective, doing extras agency, and now we're looking for a double for Forrest Whitaker. You know, so literally, it was amazing. Gonna say, don't get me wrong. You know, the first day at war time, there was a an X wing crashed on the floor. You know, it was like, wow, what is this? You know, and and seeing Forrest Whitaker, you know, he was in this emotional scene, and he cried one tear every take. On the same fucking word. How is it even possible, right? It's amazing. It was amazing. Mind blowing. It was amazing. But my part in the, my part in all those films, same as in Kingsman, was by no means something that could be. This is what it is. I think. I, I think I want my contribution to a film to be something very unique because I love film. It's not even. It's not about an ego. It's. 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 it's I. I want to. I want to. You know, when you watch something and you're moved by it. You know, I want to know that, yeah, you know what, yeah, I, I helped and we did this and then I watched that person and, we, and this happened and that's what I need. But I still love being on set, Mission Impossible, same kind of thing. And just seeing, I think the best thing about being on sets, on those sets, is seeing the people, is seeing masters in their craft do their thing, you know, it's amazing. But again, the SA Contacts, literally, Casting Collective, Extra Agency, that was, that was for most of those things. Stunts is different, obviously. Because that's again that comes before that comes from people knowing that you can do the job. So that is more satisfying, you know, because you're there for your skills. But the confidence that you have to have to do what we do, you can't be like, oh, I'm, I'm okay, kind of thing. I think I think I know I'm good at what I do. Yeah. But and as a result of that, if I was contributing in a different way, 
I know what I was doing wasn't important, but for me to get what I what I want out of out of the industry, I need to be in it, deep in it, you know, and just been really been able to help change the landscape of whatever day they're they're shooting, you know. Again, I got friends. I my mate Adam Basil. He was um, the stunt double for the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, and he's. I mean, some of the stuff that I've seen him do. And my, one of my very very good friends, a guy called Callie now, who's like one of the most amazing people you will ever fucking meet in your life. Right? I couldn't know his. He's, he's amazing. Excuse my French, um, <laughs> but he is amazing. And I've seen some of the stuff he's doing. And I'm like, wow. And I, and I love. I love seeing it and we are, we have very different routes like I'm going down a stunt route although I do stunt work still but I love seeing my friends I love seeing people who are, who are like or people who are nice doing amazing things and even though again I'm directing I'm writing it's like you know it's very, it's very different but it's the same payoff when you're able to give something to the audience you know you, know, you, might, you might watch a film and actually cry and then you know but you might never meet that filmmaker you know, they might be in Timbuktu, watch your film, and, you, and they they feel moved by what you've done. That is so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you know? again, I don't know if this example one I'm about to give is going to, like, relate in any way, but it was, like, I, lucky enough to go to Disneyland Paris. I, that, I know. But oh, that's cool. <laughs> when I was younger, it was obviously, like, a massive dream of mine to always go there because, like, with me growing up with Disney films, that was like my childhood. If anything, I think it was Disney films was what got me passionate about filmmaking. Yeah. And when I had the opportunity to go to Disneyland Paris, obviously I jumped at yeah. it. And obviously I got to go to somewhere where I was in a land filled with all of my favourite films yeah. that got me to where I am today. Yeah, and something so little can have like a massive impact. Yeah. Even if you feel like you're contributing something so small you mm. are adding to that it's like baking a cake like all the oh, my analogies and i think in terms of the your disney analogy i mean um i get it you know you might have had times when you felt sad or whatever growing up but these guys have, have you know feel this why film is so important it gets people through the worst times in their life you know and it's and it's like so these, these people these characters take on more of a uh they can be lifesavers Films obviously play a lot with that and helping you get to where you want to be. Yeah. And you don't think that, obviously, because it's something so small. But then mm. when you're there and then obviously it's all real. Like what, like when I was there, I didn't, my eyes and brain just weren't connecting that I was there. Yeah. It connected the day I had to oh, leave. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Sad no. But look at your your film. I never knew you. You didn't know any of, any of us apart from Dan. But we were all moved by your work. That is what. I think every filmmaker wants to have. It's you know so I mean? surreal yeah. to like even hear you saying that like something what I made and you had a reaction to it. Yeah. It's just surreal because I'm like, did did you watch? What? <laughs> I'm like, what did you watch? Are you sure you watch what I made? Yeah. So it's like, which obviously I'm very grateful and well, everything. I know, it's I just... know, I'm up, I'm up, blows both your ass. You know, it's like that's the thing. I think being able to make films for the rest of my life. With people that I love and, and get on with and learn from people and, and and you know that is and then know that that project goes out to the masses and for them to watch it and be you know um, taken away for two hours half an hour whatever it is that that is that's like spiritual I was like a hippie I know I do but I, I, that's what I feel you know I think I think that sort of thing is so um, you know that's that that level of job satisfaction is uh, unrivaled. And it's and, and very rare, 
you know. So this is why I think the why I think it is so important just to just to you know do whatever it takes. And with you saying about like with filmmaking, if you want to do it, just do it. That's just like an amazing piece of advice to well, give. Yeah, because you know what it is, people always wait for permission, and like you know, it's like okay, so you've done four years in drama school, so now you're an actor. It's like well, you know. And again, I'm not shitting on drama schools. So, you know, it's important to have tuition. But my point is that you can't wait. To, <laughs> you can't. You know, you used to always learn. Obviously, you used to always be learning. But you can. You can't wait to do stuff. Or someone to say you can do. You know, a lot of people, um, unfortunately, have this thing where they are more. They're quicker to point out what they think that you can't do, and usually it's based upon their imperfections, not yours. And, and it's projected onto onto somebody else. It's like no, I can do whatever I want to do, and you can't stop me. And that's the and that's the way you have to think about it because it's again, it is like it is that. So it's so you have to be that assertive to make your way through. And also with that attitude, people who have money or or influence to get you where they 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 can look at you and be like, you know what, I don't need to motivate her. You know, I know Gem's gonna get it done because she, the kind of person she is, and you know they don't want to be. Looking over someone's shoulder, how did you make it set day through? You know, they want to know, yeah, you know, you're there and, and you get yourself done. And they can tell that, that one of the first guys that I, I, made, a, I made a little short film and um, this guy funded it for me. He said, I don't care what the film's about. <laughs> he said, I don't give a fuck. He said, he said um, you know, it's, but I can tell because of your passion that the money's going to be used properly and blah, blah, blah. And, and that is the fact of it, you know, they can get that, a lot of that from your attitude. So it matters. And on that note, I think that's the perfect way to end this podcast. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here today. And congratulations on all of your success with your films. And I am looking forward to seeing what the future holds for you. And thank you everyone for listening and hope you will join us again for another episode. Thank you.